the uh, theme for the uh, afternoon talk is the uh, exploration of the heart uh, and the, uh, the finding of wisdom. <coughs> In many ways over the days as we have uh, been here together in which there has been the regularity of contact and direct exposure to the field of experience and when speaking of uh, uh, experience it's that word which is applied which indicates, signifies a coming together of different factors certainly one in every field of experience there will be some element of the feeling there there will be some uh, formations, generally speaking, of uh, thought, um, probably some influence of memory, some uh, uh, energy uh, there, and sometimes it's used in the deep with silences and stillnesses and a genuine receptivity. Nevertheless, of course, in the field of uh, human experience and with regard to uh, matters of the heart, that memory and the constraints of uh, thought have quite some pressure uh, on the heart and in that pressure, in that squeeze, it creates a friction. The intensity of that friction generates, that means the pressure, the emergence in a problematic way of the notions of I and my. So feeling life is involved with greed, it's involved with blame and negativity, it's involved with reactivity, fears and anxieties, feelings are in that field. There also can be feelings of course in which there is such a detachment it can appear like there isn't any feeling there. It can seem like a disconnection from feeling. And sometimes people are cold and uh, detached, lacking warmth and uh, empathy, but it's a different order of feeling. Feeling is still there, but the feeling is cold. The, 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 the feeling uh, uh, element is unable to reach out. And so when we're addressing the feeling uh, life, there's the problematic exposure of feelings angry, upset, afraid, worried and so forth we go deeper into those feelings and get past the problematic uh, constructions and this gives the opportunity to be receptive to other kinds of uh, uh, feelings which we appreciate which we enjoy and need to enjoy but that all the matters of the heart and the whole variety of feelings that can take place with the heart is never to be regarded or to be seen as some kind of end in itself. It is still uh, a movement into something deeper. Yeah. And though you and I may genuinely and naturally appreciate the renewal of the heart, appreciate in the receiving and the opportunity to give of kindness and 
friendship and generosity and empathy support Dharma teachings and the exploration see that as immensely important and as a doorway as an appropriate path or direction to something much deeper though we may genuinely value heartfulness it genuinely is a sweetness and delight to have contact and meet with heartful people uh, of course are loving and gracious and uh, uh, kind but it's to explore and find a wisdom somewhat beyond that quite beyond that actually in the exploration of the uh, uh, relationship uh, to heart, uh, heartfulness uh, it can emerge and show itself in our meditations uh, uh, elsewhere it's one of the primary objects of mindfulness and in looking in any issue at what the feeling is this is the point here whether that feeling has something problematic uh, about it. So we might recognize, for example, there is something which we want. The motivating and habitual aspect, sometimes the addictive aspect, is the influence is of habit and memory associated with particular pleasant feeling, sensation, and there is a desire, sometimes problematic, to repeat this pleasurable sensation. And in its repetition, the experience of the sensation around the habit, around the addiction, whatever it is, of course will fade. It has to. And in its fading away, there may be some passage of time, it may be quite short, and usually within hours or a day, in which once again there is the re-emergence of the same feeling, the pleasurable. There is a gap and a need within. The movement takes place towards, and the renewal of that pleasurable sensation fills a kind of gap a whole, H-O-L-E, within oneself. And that pleasurable sensation once again fades and one is once again back in the loop. And the loop of pleasurable sensations, memory, desire, wanting and pursuing that which gave it. And even though the very process will keep generating for the pursuer of the sensation of the pleasure will keep experiencing the absence of it has to be and in the absence of the pleasure the feeling sensation is then painful I want something I feel there is something lacking inside of me I don't know how to address this what's inside of me and I want to escape it, so I go towards this habit, uh, addiction, pattern, whatever it might be, in order to get away from this unpleasant sensation by putting in a pleasant one. 
and it's a, an in, a merciless entrapment in this and it's not only does this have devastating costs on the individual and their happiness and their peace of mind and their, but also on their personal life on their family life on their social uh, life on resources and it just uh, uh, spells out a kind of crisis and disaster area when there is an addiction or a habit pattern whatever that might be about and it takes a lot of skill and some of you involved in these fields there of working with such situations with such personas there and the thread just to repeat pleasurable sensation the desire for contact the influence of memory and a gap something missing inside and the pleasure is to get away from that and then that fades as I say to repeat and then it's back again it's a wicked, merciless, painful loop to live in and sometimes it's in the smaller um, and more uh, uh, subtle of things and the relinquishment and the knowledge and the, uh, and, and the understanding uh, in the looking at ourselves at habitual activities may not be addictive but habitual activities is if we find our mind concentrating on one kind of feeling or one kind of pleasurable sensation whatever that, that, may, that may be it easily could be in part due to the lack of receptivity to other ways of experiencing happiness and joy and pleasure the most you know, common illustration here of what I uh, uh, mean by this is that sometimes in the life there is many have this um, um, issues around food it is one of the most problematic a a uh, areas because the food itself whatever it might be is associated with pleasure naturally we've been blessed with uh, some great pleasure um, at uh, what 7.30 in the morning and at 12.30 lunch and at 5.30 and people tell me they basically they come to the retreats <laughs> for the food and <laughs> they're willing to put up with Radha and myself <laughs> and all these, these challenging meditations because of these three peak experiences of the day <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when we when we look just to, t t uh, to take one uh, 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 example uh, of that and sometimes within the world of the food of course there can be particular areas which we know we're vulnerable ar around <laughs> and you know, part of the practice working with fields of the, the pleasant I'll just take food as uh, an example for us is that in the relationship uh, to that the considerations are really important one is what do I eat it's a really, really important one and if one thinks one can um, go to the lesson supermarket and, um, and buy things uh, there and put them in one's cupboard and not eat them your optimism is way too high so it isn't easy to walk, walk past 
the, that long line of whatever, whatever it might be, the chocolate being one of the more famous long lines. And it's just everywhere, you see. You, even in the queue, when you're paying for it, it it's mm-hmm. all over the place. Buy the chocolate, buy the chocolate. Yeah. 20% chocolate, 40% chocolate, 50, 60, 70, 80, it's still chocolate. <laughs> Black, white, yellow, green, it's still chocolate. <laughs> Whatever. And it takes a you know, little bit of mindfulness in life. Apologies, I eat chocolate, so I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting on the moral high throne here, etc. But it takes some quality of mindfulness in, rela- in relationship to this to see if when we are not feeling happy, are we at times making the pilgrimage to the refrigerator? the most sacred shrine of the West, the holy pagoda of the household, in, in order to feel better. But it doesn't do any good because we're not actually addressing the unpleasant feeling and sensation. It's the, it's the, 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 the tactic of avoidance. And we, of course, we're familiar with it. Of course, we're familiar with, uh, uh, with it. And it, could it be? It's a... Uh, open question entirely because I'm going to answer it so could it be that in there that the other senses are not fully developed could it be that when there is some worry, anxiety agitation or some unpleasant feelings uh, uh, going on part of the reason that we can drift towards let's say one sense door there or turn on the music or go to uh, go to sleep or glue ourselves in front of the TV or whatever it might be that it's a way that the other senses genuinely need much more cultivation much more development much more opening of our eyes and ears so that we find um, a harmony and accord with the feeling life, with the sensations uh, there in the pleasant field which each one has really deliberately, purposefully cultivated all five senses equally. If one is more concentrated on whichever one it might be tongue is obviously a common one but the others uh, as well the, the neglect of the others stops us being, from being a kind of fully rounded human being because we haven't really used our eyes and our ears and our senses and our openness our receptivity fully enough the difficulty with the feelings and sensations sensations are feelings felt in the body called sensations here uh, there, that with the unpleasant ones if we make not as an act of willpower but as a a moment of some clarity and some mindfulness uh, with the unpleasant feelings and sensations which arise can we make a quiet moment of clarity the quiet purposeful decision I'm experiencing this this unpleasantness, this feeling, these sensations with the quiet resolution I'm not going to go to the pleasant to escape it not easy, I'm, you know, 
but life isn't easy so it's just one more thing which isn't easy so the quiet view purpose I'm not going to run away from this unpleasant feeling and sensation I'm going to see if I can work with this this requires quite some quiet authority it re- it's a, a, a discipline not discipline in um, that kind of hard language of the discipline but in the Buddhist tradition in the best sense of, of the original meaning of the word discipline is the ability to turn away from that which isn't supportive that's what is, that is what the meaning of the original, original word the capacity to turn away from that which isn't supportive there and the word sin which has got for those of us who are brought up in Catholicism some rather bizarre definitions uh, there. but it, it's a way 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 far away from what that great rabbi from Nazareth was speaking uh, 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 speaking about sin is the same has the same root meaning it's the turning away from that which is meaningful this is the, 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 the human being we engage in we turn away from that which is meaningful so if one has the quiet there are these unpleasant sensations unpleasant experiences going in, in the body uh, sometimes felt in the body and in the contact with those kind of experiences the mind coming to the feeling sensation yeah, the mind going to the feeling sensation which is arising will usually easily put a single word to describe this experience the word could be anger the word could be anxiety the word could be fear the word could be craving for or whatever so the sensation is strong it's really feeling unsatisfactory in the feelings these are feelings which are going on for us and then the word comes in one is feeling really unpleasant and the, and the word is you never do it right you, the word is um, you're not going anywhere the word is you're, 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 you're yeah, I, I'm useless I'm worthless uh, look at how I am etc so in the state of the unpleasant feeling there will be some which are common some which you can resonate with and say wow I experience these feelings I experience these sensations which are difficult and problematic on the regular basis whatever some of them there the word which is used be very mindful oh my gosh and the reason being the word which is used to describe the experience is as much often a problem as the experience of the sensation and it's very hard to kind of address this so what I mean what I mean by that take some examples a person says I have these experiences in the 
pit of my stomach. And they're very strong, these sensations. And it just shows I have so much fear inside of me. So the description of the sensations in the pit of the stomach is called fear. It stops me from there. Another person may say, I'm feeling these very strong sensations going on in my body and once again I'm really angry. I'm angry with the kids, I'm angry with the the boss, I'm uh, angry with myself. I've got all these pleasant sensations. It connects with something or someone uh, there and the outcome uh, uh, of that, the view is, the, the judgment is, oh I'm really, really angry. And another person may say, I get so much anxiety uh, inside of myself. I have all these sensations in my stomach or in my body. I really, really feel worried and uh, uh, anxious. And it's all about what is going to happen in the future, let's say, as as an example. The judgment, the perception of fear, I'm using examples, fear, anger, uh, anxiety there, it gives the appearance in the relationship to the experience that that's what it is. That We say, think that's what it actually is. It isn't that. But we've got so used to deciding this, that means the judgment, is the confirmation of this Sensation or this unpleasantness or this really feeling uh, difficult there. There are situations, some of you will know with the, uh, uh, here and elsewhere, where there can really be some strong, unpleasant experiences about whatever it might be about. But to go back to the fear for the moment. And if the fear, let's say you need to speak up, something which is important to you. And if the the sensations may arise, you feel intimidated, you feel worried, you feel what might be the outcome, what might be the response of the other. If you therefore are unable to act, at that point you can call it fear. If we can't respond, we retract and stuff. If all the sensations are going on, but in this case one looks at the situation, if appropriate, we speak up, if appropriate, uh, there. Those sensations were not fear. They were sensations. Fear blocks. One is various pressures, very humanly enough, which come through human experience and the interactions uh, uh, around us. And we can feel some pressure inside there because of what he, she, they are doing or whatever they are not doing. We feel the sensations which are arising. The sensations are not the confirmation that one is angry. The confirmation of anger is in the saying of something to another 
with the intention to hurt. With the intention, this is anger and dharma teachings here, in, in the, with the intention in some way or other to make another person suffer. So the sensations are there, it might be through what is said, or it might be through the silence. And the silence is the withdrawal, the cutting off of the voice. It's a form of punishment, it's a form of revenge. When it happens, it's called anger. But it's not, anger is not the sensations themselves. You get the difference? We've got to live with these sensations. They're not going to go away. You can be the Buddha of the Buddhas, you'll still get these sensations. The Buddha could be walking down the street there and a few German Alsatian dogs come barking with blood running from their teeth. The Buddha's going to have a few sensations, I promise you. <laughs> so that we need to know when it's called greed, when it's called anger, when it's called fear, when it, when it is uh, called anxiety or whatever. We've got to know the confirmation of it is in the behaviour, not in the sensations. This is the exploration of the sensations and feeling life. Emphasis, and Radha's been, been putting precious and lovely emphasis, and uh, I um, heard it was a great period and session here this morning, uh, there with uh, uh, the sharings and uh, the, uh, uh, the insights and the understanding which uh, was uh, emerging out, uh, out of the hall uh, from you, and it's uh, lovely when the, the, the sang of the women and men come together and share what they see and understand it's so uh, preciously uh, important uh, these areas and, and, it's and it's especially important because it would be most unfortunate and this is a good teaching from Radha here be most unfortunate if just all the time we were concentrating on the difficult etc but at the moment we are <laughs> Basically, I'm the warm-up act for Radha. <laughs> so there's, a, there's this world of human experience of challenging and difficult sensations to uh, uh, deal with. We're not underestimating the influence of them, but to be able to recognise when it's problematic through its expression. There. It may be, still staying with the difficult... It may, it may well be that if there is the repetition of the same word, so I'm using today addiction, or greed, similar aspect to this, or negativity, or anger, or blame, or fear, or anxiety, if, or I'm no good, I keep putting myself down, or whatever it might be, if there is a repetition of the same kind of words around the same kind of sensations that one is exper experiencing the description of the described is as big a problem as the described understand? the description is not an objective detached, clear view this is what this is the description is the problem 
and sometimes the words that we use like the ones I've read to you the words that we have used we have used them so often wow have they gone past their sell by date mm-hmm. it's like having milk on the table top for a month no point pour it away get rid of it and sometimes sometimes we have to change the language of the typical words that we use when we put ourselves down when we're caught up in problematic life to have some mindfulness and reflection not only is it about the experience that means the field of sensations with the feelings in it but it's also and equally about the description of it the description is not helping it's not serving us it's adding wood to the fire and we know that every time we say to ourselves I always and I never well is that the warning signal whoa whoa not only is there a problematic habit going on there there's a problematic description there is a reaction to the description I always and I never and similarly the view can be towards the other you always and you never nothing to do with the living present we're stuck we're living out of the old we've just imposing history upon the living present we've lost the capacity to kind of be fresh to have a fresh way of looking so we want to be extraordinarily mindful of the continuity of the description because if there's a continuity again and again we'll keep inadvertently feeding the problem we get more angry by keep calling it anger we get more anxious by keep calling it anxiety we get more fearful by keep calling it we are fearful it's no way to live is it <laughs> I sometimes slightly religious uh, uh, elements I like the, the, the uh, uh, language from the Middle East <clears throat> of um, going out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and in this uh, example that I've uh, uh, got in mind here you know, sometimes people say oh Christopher when, when I hear this oh Christopher I go, oh, <laughs> oh Christopher there um, I, I, I tried it you know, I, I dropped the word anger I'm so angry I dropped that word I dropped the word fear I, I tried another word but it just wasn't working for me so I went back <laughs> to the old yeah. well how long do you try it well I tried it in my last meditation or I tried it on the last retreat or for a, a week or so and my uh, comment is 40 days and, four, and 40 nights 4-0, not 14 40 days and 40 nights to remember a change of description to, in the view of the experience and then comes the wicked one-liner if you forget for one day 
you go back and start again. <laughs> People want to know about what practice is? This is practice. One day you forget. And you say, oh gosh, I'm so angry, I'm so afraid, I'm so anxious, I'm so worried about the future, I don't believe myself, I can't do this. I don't. And, and one forgets. Another way of looking at things, start all over again. Why not? Why not? Why not, exactly. <laughs> there are times... <laughs> it's a good job there's impermanence, isn't there? Otherwise we have the creek. So, <laughs> there are times as well when the recognition has been said a few times here of the... Again, the heart of the appreciation of the absence of is deeply significant. Mm. Because if I, as a human being, keep focusing on the problematic aspects of what's wrong with my life, what I should mm. be doing with my life, I keep, if I keep doing that, and I keep thinking how things should be better, and, I, and that, that's my habit and my pattern, it's my habit and my pattern. And I've been telling myself forever. And then death is going to come along and say, well, screw your aspirations. It's the end. It's all over. <laughs> so the mindfulness, the watchfulness, the, put his words here, pamal, a lovely word, heedfulness, taking care out there, is in a way, is to look at and if in any way the one-liner which is running through about getting my life together or I should be doing this and uh, all, all, all of that, then it's going to take the quiet discipline and says, wow, I've been thinking this way for so long to make the shift, not from trying to work out the presence of, not with the view, gosh, I've got to let go of all of these habits and tendencies that letting go language sometimes is part of the problem because we've said it to ourselves mm. and to poor teachers a zillion times oh I know I've got to let go and why can't I let go because the language of letting go has been said so frequently and so habitually, it ain't making a difference. No wonder we can't let go because we're, all we're thinking about is letting go. But we're stuck with it. So the exploration of the non-difficult experience, the recognition and appreciation of heartfulness, is turning away from what's not working for us and the recognition of the precious and the beautiful moments. And humour and laughter and happiness and joy and playfulness and the wonders of things and the opening of the senses out. All of that heartfulness will then contribute to having a more clear view about the challenging and that isn't in any way a kind of running away from the challenging, but it's a recognition of that with 
the quiet commitment in life, if I have a similar habitual way of describing, I need to use my imagination, which is a great resource that we have, to find a completely fresh way of describing what's happening. Totally new. And that might mean that in the willingness to take an interest, it might be that we don't know what the new way is. Mm -hmm. Never mind. What we do know is the old way isn't working. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant five-star start. And if we know the old way isn't working because it's habitual, the the description is as big a problem as the described, if we get to we kind of get that what that's about uh, with us, then our meditations and our quietitude and our silences and our receptivity will enable and allow at some point something from the deep, which is where the best always lies, to actually emerge through. And then we can, then we can have a completely fresh way of looking at something. Completely fresh which sometimes is as big a surprise to us as is to to the people who we live with. (laughs) Wow, you're not so angry, Mm -hmm. you're not so needy, you're not so anxious, you're not so worried, because one's found a a new, fresh way of looking. And with the understanding, it doesn't mean to say that the unpleasant sensations is going to be like a mirage and... (laughs) just disappear. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe, sometimes the being, the sensations in the being, from all sorts of past experiences, from formations of the DNA, from history and whatever, may, in the cellular kind of memory, may emerge. No guarantee that the physical life, the sensation of the body is is going to be kind of sublime and peaceful and harmonious. No no guarantee in this human world for that. But if the way of looking is changing and the receptivity is changing to it, still to, to repeat, the emergence of these feelings, sensations, difficult ones, coming out of the body, it may still occur. But they've lost their power. They've lost their power. They were not what we thought they were. And that exploration of the deep is deeper than the heart. Certainly the heart can go very deep. No, 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 no question of that. And the best of the heart is genuinely very, very deep. Deep inner peace, and deep love, and deep friendship, and deep empathy. There are deep sensitivities, there are deep joy. And our receptivity to uh, 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 all of that still has to and needs to include and embrace the range of the deep human feelings which includes the unpleasant 
It's not a teaching uh, in which all the unpleasant feelings of life will just somehow miraculously fade away and disappear. It, it, it's not in truth, it's not in reality, and it never was and never will, will be the way things are. It's just not on. Human beings like left hand and right hand, we've got to learn to live and explore the pleasant and the unpleasant. And the unpleasant plays a deeply significant role in life because the unpleasant, indispensable for human uh, existence, is the feeling experience which gives the initiative to make change. Change here, inwardly, change there, (coughs) outwardly. The pleasant doesn't have that function. And therefore, when the initiation of uh, we see something, we have some knowledge about something, we have some information about something, it touches a deep place inside. We feel how unsatisfactory it is. We feel how problematic it is, whatever it might be uh, about. And that feeling element in the deep of the heart there then becomes the initiative and the support for making a change. We need the unpleasant in life as much as we need the pleasant to be a really full and rich human being. The unpleasant is as liberating as the pleasant. And that clarity of that, so... How am I doing? So... <laughs> so to, Keep on going. Keep on going. Thank you. <laughs> the, 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 clarity, the clarity of that begins to allow in the deep, with the, the wisdom of the deep, to recognise the great beauty of the pleasant. Extraordinary wonder and significance uh, uh, of it. And, and what's precious, <laughs> the sheer diversity of what comes out of the pleasant love and friendship and beauty and art and creativity and empathy and much 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 more I mean really a lovely lovely thing as well as the touch through all the senses and much much more tremendous diversity uh, which is there that's hugely important for our well-being our an integrated way of life yet not at the expense of the unpleasant the unpleasant has an equal place for us it helps to wake us up. It helps us to see clearly. It helps us to take action. It helps us to question and inquire. <clears throat> it helps us to look into the problems of life. and helps us to be of service to other people and their anguish and difficulties and uh, problems. So, <coughs> the unpleasant experience is such that the wisdom reveals and acknowledges the unpleasant there, gets to see what it's about and that may then from the wisdom inspire some action, some movement and that movement we might call empathy we might call it compassion we might call it love we might call it interconnectedness and many other languages that uh, you, you and I uh, use 
So the wisdom gives support to the depth of the heart. The wisdom gives the encouragement to explore into the difficult experiences and that relationship of the describer to the described was uh, touched upon. And the same wisdom, the same wisdom, the element of wisdom, is something which essentially, because it's a liberation through wisdom teaching, something freeing us up about it as well. It's helping, it's contributing, it's enabling the clarity or the seeing clearly of this whole expression of human life manifesting itself through feelings, through perceptions, through descriptions of heart, mind and body. The wisdom, not detached, not alienated from, is the element, shall we say, is the actuality which helps make this system called being human and with others as, uh, as well, to help see it clearly. And that wisdom is hard in a way to describe or to put into words or to define in any way. And perhaps there's a value in that because that can't really be habitual. But what one can say, just to switch the word for a moment or two, we sometimes use the word, in the English of course, of to understand. And to understand that the issue now stands under us. We're not feeling it's on top of us. We're not feeling oppressed by the circumstances. We understand uh, something. And that understanding, which is a voice of uh, wisdom, can permeate all aspects of the feeling life, the thought life, the conceptual life, the judgment life, uh, the joys of life, the challenges of life. It can just address and include all of, uh, all of that. And therefore there's something enlightening, there's something liberating, something profoundly realisable uh, about this relationship to this life of being human on this earth. And the deep is never far away. It's actually closer than the thoughts in our mind. Mm. Thank you for listening. Mm. Let's have a quiet minute or two, shall we? May all beings explore the field of experience.
may all beings go deep. May all beings live with a liberated wisdom. Thank you everyone for uh, uh, lending an ear. The uh, time is five minutes to five, some further sitting, uh, standing, uh, meditation, one-to-ones and food at 5.30. Thank you.